our worship team, thank you for leading us into the presence of God, making us more aware of God's presence. And uh, thank God for our worship team and um, for us, for them doing that. One of the things that I talk about is um, you hear a lot about um, making God show up in worship. And it's less about that and more about creating an environment, a space where people can be more aware of God. Because here's the thing, you know, uh, I've been in a debate with some folks about uh, if people are far away from God, right? And the thing is, Paul says in Acts chapter 17 that God is not far from any of us, right? That God is actually closer to us than we are to ourselves. So it's not like you're here and God is in Minnesota. Amen? God is present. So a part of worship, the reason why worship is so important, if you're waiting to get into it, if you're waiting for the right note or the right song to hit you, you've missed it because worship is an opportunity for you to get into this zone where you're telling yourself, I am open and I am aware of God's presence. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let's jump into our... Um, our series this morning, we're going to continue our legacy series. Have you ever had a dream that was so real that when you woke up, you had to talk yourself out of the fact that it happened? Does happened to you before? Amen. Like, I get crazy dreams. And um, dreams are interesting, right? Um, can we all agree on that? You wake up sweating and you've been running from someone from what seems like hours I had a co-worker tell me this week, because I'm known in the office to be uh, the person that can interpret dreams in my office. So people are always running to me uh, to say, hey, pastor. Uh, they don't say pastor. They say Anthony or uh, uh, some other names I won't say. Uh, uh, can you interpret this dream for me? And, uh, and I'll sit down and talk with him. But uh, the dreams where you are falling and you wake up right before you hit the ground. I remember last week when we had that bad storm. Um, Tony thought I was crazy because they said they had a tornado warning. I never understood why the warning watch thing, right? Because watch means it could happen. Warning is that somebody has seen something. I always thought, like, you're going to watch for a tornado, right? You know, anyway. And so y'all know it was real windy and stuff last week. And, um, and Tony saw, saw me dragging mattresses and stuff towards the bathroom. <laughs> Because I have like a tornado phobia. As a kid, I grew up in Alabama, Birmingham, and we're known as a part of Tornado Alley. And so like that night, I had a dream that we were hit by a tornado, and I saw it coming down, coming through Meadowbrook, this massive F5 tornado, which is the largest size of a tornado. And it was coming through our neighborhood, and I remember in the dream, I had to pick Tony up, because Tony, you know, she, she can be a little slow sometimes, you know, and so... <laughs> I had to, had to pick her up because she's just screaming and hollering, and I had to pick her up and grab her and throw her in the bathroom, and I, I started grabbing every mattress in the house and create this barricade in the house, and, and so when the tornado passed, it ripped off our house, but we were just still in this barricade. And so for you in dream interpreters, maybe y'all can tell me what that means. It could be just my leftover phobia from the day before, or it could be something else. But we would all probably be on the same page when it comes to dreams. I know you probably don't have, don't have tornado dreams, but nonetheless, I'm sure you have dreams. But we'll talk a little bit more about dreams in the coming moments. But last week, we started this conversation about legacy, and I want to make sure we all are caught up to speed this morning. If you recall, we define legacy as what? Legacy as something that comes from someone in the past and affects current and future generations. <laughs> Legacy is something that comes from someone in the past and affects current and future generations. Last week we talked about the fact that moments make up our lives, that we all have moments that have marked our lives, moments that some of us would say were great moments and others of us would say uh, the exact opposite. Some we wish we could forget and others that were short spans of greatness. Moments that will be marked by ups and downs. And last week we put up a rope, uh, a red rope from the story of Rahab and we put different years 
and time frames, a chronology of our lives, starting from year zero, and, you know, we were speaking by faith, uh, to 100, and we put different years, ages that we were, that we are or were. Some of us, some young people are like, I'm not even 17 yet. And so, you know, I was like, well, yeah, before, before you're 17, before you're 12, right? And so we talked about uh, that, 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 that we use that rope as an illustration of the span of our lives and the fact that God doesn't just see the short sections of our lives, but that God sees the entirety of the rope, that God sees the entirety of the rope, the, the span of our lives, and that God even sees beyond the rope itself. Then I posed a question to you last week. What if our life is a beautiful work of art, but we are so close to the canvas that we just can't see the picture that God is painting? Amen. One of my favorite paintings is a painting uh, my mom made when I, was a, when I was in utero with her, and it's ironic she painted this. I wish I had, I should have pointed, bring up part of a picture of it and put it on the screen. Some of you have seen the picture, and it's a picture of a man standing by the cross, and she actually painted this while I was in utero uh, with her. And uh, the other day, I, I, I was playing around, and I put the painting right here, and I couldn't see anything. So it was like a blur. I can't see that well anyway. So it was just a blur. Until I moved back, I began to see the better picture of the painting. So it is with our lives. We zoom in on these moments. We zoom in on this painting. We get caught up in the details of life. Many of us would say that our greatest regret happened when we were 18 or 19 or 20 or 22 or 23 or 24 or 25 or 30 or 45 or 50 or some of us 60 or, or even upwards to 7. But I believe that our greatest regrets won't be those small sections of rope. Author Mark Batterson says, at the end of our lives, our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained opportunities we left on the table. The God-given passions we didn't pursue and the God-sized dreams we didn't go after because we let the fear dictate our decisions. Here's the thing. I remember my mentor, my father in the gospel, uh, James Giles, he, he'll always quote this to me. I don't even know. I can never find where it was attributed, if it was attributed correctly to Abraham Lincoln, but he told me this, so I assume it was, it was gospel, you know, you know how it is with your mentor sometimes, eh? What they say is like gospel. And he's, he quotes, uh, he attributes to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said this, one of the worst things to befall a person is to meet an opportunity and not be prepared for it. Think about that for a moment. Here's the thing. Every great legacy, every great legacy, great legacies, begin with a big dream. Most of the dreams start with a word from God. And this is important. And when I say a word from God, I'm not just, I'm not just talking about a Bible verse. It couldn't be a Bible verse, but I'm talking about something that God has spoken uh, to you. Here's the thing you need to understand about the Word of God, about the spoken Word of God. When God gives you an inclination, when God gives you some insight, God gives you an idea, or God gives you a conviction about something, here's the thing about the Word of God. The Word of God is both creative and redemptive. God's word is so powerful that it gives life, but it also shapes life and it redeems life. So God can create life, but if that life goes awry, if that life goes astray, God can speak a word to bring that life back, to redeem it from the path that is chosen that's leaning away from God. God's word. And so when God speaks a dream, God's dreams are both creative and redemptive. This morning we're going to talk about a man who left a great legacy, but it began as a small dream. I'm sorry, it began as a big dream from God. Um, for some, it was a crazy dream. It was strange. It was weird. Yes. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. You can read this with me. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. 
and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. What's the dream that God has put in your heart? What is your dream? That's actually the title of our message this morning. What is the dream that God has put in your heart? Seriously, I would love to know this. What the dream that God has put in your heart? The ark was 450 feet. Let me translate the cubit thing. 450 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet. Author Kevin Meyer said, God has put Noah-sized dreams and visions in some of your hearts, but you won't pick up the hammer. There's a strange teaching in the body of Christ today. If you just confess some stuff, stuff will magically appear. If you just say abracadabra in the name of Jesus over and over again, stuff will amazingly just appear. You know what I'm talking about, right? But God has put Noah-sized dreams in some of your hearts, but you won't pick up the hammer. Kevin Myers says this. The dimensions of your dreams. Notice God gives a Noah specific dimensions. The dimensions of your dreams will determine the necessary dimension of your discipline. Mm. We want dreams without the hammer. We want dreams and visions without the work. Big dreams require Big discipline. I knew the dream God had put in our hearts in early 2011 on a prayer walk throughout Salisbury uh, with Tony. We, we walked through different parts of Salisbury. Some of you have heard this story. And reflecting, when we came upon the Confederate statue downtown in Salisbury, uh, the Spirit gave us a dream. The, God, the Spirit began to speak. And that vision was to be an army of love, an army of love mobilized for the good of the community, an army of love, uh, an army of people that have been crushed by the spirit of religion. We saw this community being at the heart, this, this, this army of love being at the heart of personal and community transformation. In 2011, we saw, we felt it. We didn't know exactly how it was going to look, but we felt that God was doing something like this. I saw, I saw people finding healing in relationship with God, people that had been killed and hurt and abused by church spiritually. And the religious culture of this place, the shaming, the, the degradation, uh, the shaming and belittling of people. But we also saw uh, in 2011, we felt that this will be a place where people will experience their own creativity, where they will uh, reconnect with God or connect with God, or a place where young people can unfold and discover who they are and find their God-given creativity and uniqueness and gifts. We felt this. And part of this journey, this, this is our second year now, has been to try to slowly cast that, to share with the mission that God, the vision or dream that God has given us. And it's a challenge. Right? Because the way our DNA is a mission and incarnation and reconciliation, it looks a little different. This morning, I would love for you to try something with me. It's going to seem a little bizarre. And you're probably used to bizarre by now. And if you don't feel like participating, that's fine, too. You don't have to. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. What's the dream that God has put in your heart when you were a kid or if you are a kid or a young person? The dreams you may be having now. And for your older folks, when you were in high school, what was the dream that God put into your heart? 
Maybe it keeps you up even now. Maybe you find yourself doodling on a piece of paper, on a notepad. Maybe you've forgotten. Some of you have even told me that you want to be entrepreneurs. Some of you have told me that you want to work and serve in the community to make a difference in people's lives. Keep your eyes closed. There's something powerful about visualization. Some of you even said, I'm called to ministry. But some have not yet surrendered to the call yet. Mm. For many of you, God has put a dream in your heart. God wouldn't place you on earth without placing a dream in your heart. Open your eyes. Last week, we talked about Adam, right? How God scooped up some dirt, in the st- according to the Genesis story. Uh, God scooped up some dirt, breathed into Adam, and became a living soul. And he placed Adam into the garden. <laughs> and one of the things we said, we speculated that God, when God breathed into Adam, that God just did not breathe into Adam just biology for his lungs to work. Because the scripture says that when he breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. Hmm. What does that mean? God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. He became what? He began to imagine, he began to dream, he began to think. He had cognition, right, because God had breathed into him. And so here's the thing. So when God places you in the earth, guess what? God has already breathed dreams into you. Just like Adam. Take a breath this morning. Go. That feel good? You got that because God has given you something to bring into this world, something to dream about. There are some things that will keep us from going about the dream, though. Some of you may be very familiar with these things. There's fear, busyness, worry, distraction, laziness. And the list goes on and on. I was going to put procrastination, but I just recently read a Harvard study because I'm a, I'm a chronic procrastinator myself. And I actually read a study by Harvard put out, said that procrastinators, it could be a very important key to creativity. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Arnish. That's like, oh. <laughs> See, I'm the yin, he's the yang, right? <laughs> and so, here's the thing. So, God has given you the exact plans to build your dream. You may not even be aware of it. Let me, let me, take, let, me let you know how I know God didn't give you a dream. You, you want to know how I know God didn't give you a dream? Y'all ready for this? You ready for the big announcement? The big reveal? Do this. You got breath. Breath means that God has poured dreams into your heart. God has poured plans into your heart, even in utero. But here's where the frustration lies. Like Noah, you know that God has given you dreams to build a boat that is 300 cubits long, and you are building a boat that is 500 cubits long. Mm. You know that God has given you dreams to use gopher wood, but you are using treated cedar. Uh, this week, um, yesterday, I began unsuccessfully to build a garden, box garden. Somebody got to come and help me, man. <laughs> Dustin, man, you got, I know you're busy, bro. You got to come help me out, man. I bought a drill, and I'm like, the, the, I can't get the screws to go into the wood. And... I almost messed up and bought treated wood. I'm not supposed to buy treated wood if you do a box garden because the chemicals get into the soil and all that, right? But I think I, I remember Dustin telling me that when we were in Florida. He said, whatever you do, don't get treated wood. And I almost bought it. But instead of gopher wood, you buy treated cedar wood. You know that God is giving you dreams to cover it with pitch, but you are creating your own substance. You know it's supposed to be 30 cubits high, but you want to stretch it 35. Why? Because you are building on someone else's plans. Many of us, many of us 
are living out the story of others. You are an actor, a character in a story that other people may have laid out a plot for you. And that is, that's not just individually, that's also culturally and politically. We won't go there today. Hey, some other time we're trying to be inspirational today. I don't want y'all leaving with a sad face and want to go burn down some stuff. So we're not going to do that today. We got plenty to talk about. We can't talk about that because you know, a lot of craziness that happened the last week or two. Amen. But I'm, I'm taming myself. I'm keeping the prophetic down today, right? I'm going to be Pastor Anthony today. I won't be Prophet Anthony today. Let me ask you this today. Are you building from the plans God has given you, or are you building on someone else's plans? You can't leave a legacy when you are too busy trying to live someone else's. You may steal my wife's Tony's chicken dip recipe. Actually, my mother-in-law's. Amen. But she, you know, she inherited. I ain't gonna say she stole it, but she inherited. But it ain't gonna taste like her chicken dip. Check out the ingredients and make your own chicken dip. And then I won't be comparing it to hers, and you just might have a fair shot. There's no faster path to frustration than than building on someone else's plans. Only you know the dreams that God has put in your heart. And unless you are true to those plans, you will be miserable. If you're building someone else's plans, then we miss the beautiful plans that God has uniquely given you. Let's be honest. I would rather see you live out your dreams than watch you try to live out someone else's. Anybody that knows me, I'm always probing and prying with people. So what's your passion? What drives you? What, what gets you up? What was that thing as a kid that got on everybody's nerves, but you found peace doing it? What everybody thought was strange, but you did it anyway. The thing you need to know is your dream is awesome. It is created and sent and breathed into you by God. Just because it looks different than mine doesn't discount it. And that's the thing we struggle with in our community. We can't celebrate the dreams of other people if it don't look like ours. I think some of that is our own insecurity and our own dreams. We might not value them highly. And so when somebody else is dreaming, we get mad and upset because we haven't placed value in our own dreams. I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Genesis 6, 17 through 22. <clears throat> I'm doing good, y'all. I can taste that steak right now. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. My God, goddess. And see, a lot of times the story, um, people judge the Bible, people judge of faith because of the story of Noah. Um, But what they don't realize is the reason why God is responding, because humans uh, were treating each other violently. The world had gone into chaos and so, and so social order was breaking down. And so God, in God's own mercy, it was almost like a massive euthanasia. I'm sorry, I don't like that word. Okay. So, but I will establish my covenant with you, verse 18, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, to every sort of shall come into you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Here's the question. I can only imagine. But here's the question. Are you willing to give your life to the dream? 
I'm about to step on some toes here in a few minutes, my own included, amen, are you willing to give your life for or to the dream of God? Noah has never to this point seen rain. Are you willing to build a boat even if it means the people around you misunderstand you? Can you imagine what people must have been saying to Noah? Now, mind you, according to the story, the Genesis story, it had never rained before. And here's Noah building an ark in the middle of dry land. That makes absolutely no sense. Sometimes the dreams of God, God will pour into you for a situation that has not yet even come yet. Sometimes the dreams of God will have you looking crazy. Sometimes the dreams of God will leave you misunderstood by a lot of people. Can you imagine what people must have been saying to Noah? What in the world is he doing? What is that? It's, what is it? It can't be a casket. It's too big to be a casket. That boy done lost his mind. He's dreaming foolish dreams. That's not how we do it around here. We don't build stuff like this. We don't do stuff like that. Let me assure you, everyone around you won't understand the passion that God has given you. Those who are close to me personally, like this is a personal testimony, those who do work with me in the community know the frustration that we all have when we're trying to do something new and creative in our community and people don't understand. Right? It hurts sometimes, the things that people say. But I'm, I'm coming to understand, and I thank God for the encouragement that I'm able to receive and even to give to others who are doing things that, that people won't understand the passion. And sometimes people won't understand your passion for the dream. Sometimes, I don't even, sometimes you won't even understand the passion. I remember years ago, I began to read, and I don't know, sometimes the Spirit has me, people ask me about my reading habits. One of the things I tell people is, um, whatever just interests me, you know, just something just interests you, and then sometimes the Spirit is prompting. And so I remember some years ago, <laughs> the Holy Spirit had me reading design thinking and social innovation and creativity and how to create ecosystems and cultures of creativity. I'm like, Lord, why are you having me read this stuff? I don't even understand this. How to have a group of people to go into a community to bring about solutions after they've heard and listened and discerned what's happening in the community. I began to read and study different things, and I just began to develop a passion to see a space or a group of people or organization or a culture emerge in this particular community where people are discovering their own creativity and passion and their own discernment to, to be able to, dis, to uh, engage and to speak with courage to the powers that be and to speak about issues of injustice. My passion. Sometimes people don't understand it. Somebody the other day asked me, Anthony, why, what are you, why are you passionate about this? What brought this about? And I remember expounding with them, and I, I, and I, thought they, they, I think they thought I was going to quote some Bible verses or something. And I was like, well, a couple years ago I read the biography of Malcolm X written by Manny Marble who passed away some years ago. And also at the same time I was reading this book called Imagine by uh, Joan O'Leary. And they were talking about all the different periods in history when people had created profound moments of creativity, innovation, and art, and all kind of beautiful things in the world. And how when Malcolm, when he went back to Harlem, and how he imagined how Harlem could experience renaissance and rebirth and a birth of culture and arts and life and politics again. And look at me like, what? I thought you was a preacher. Sometimes people won't understand your passion. And I told them, I'm passionate about these things because I believe that Jesus is causing a renaissance in Salisbury. Right? You can keep having revivals and running around the church building, but Jesus is on the streets reviving art, creativity, and he's awakening people's consciousness. 
I'm passionate. Sometimes people won't understand you. And I ask you, are you willing to give your life to the dream? Mm. Are you willing to give your life to the dream? Because for most of your dreams, for most of your dreams to become reality is going to require some work. So many people give up on their dreams because it's going to take work. I can't go back to school. I, I can't make less money. I can't do this or I can't do that. Noah didn't pray and her ark fell out to heaven. You would think that if you listen to a lot of Christianity today, if you just confess some stuff and money cometh to me, money cometh to me. No, it don't work like that. No, Noah didn't just pray and her ark fell out the sky and landed on the land. No, Noah had to pick up a hammer and start to get to work. People experience oppression in this community. I tell them, I said, God part of the Red Sea but they still had to walk across the daggum thing. God's only going to do so much for your deliverance. Look at your lives. All aspects. You got to become disciplined, not just with the dream, but every aspect of your, of your dream. One of the ways I know somebody's serious about their dream is when they have a discipline about them, not just with the, the work or the creativity they're doing, but every aspect of their lives. Because you got to bring your whole life into it. If you're not disciplined in your life, you won't be disciplined in your dreams. Don't worry, that's for me too. Can I just say this? God gave Noah a dream, but Noah still had to do the work. If your dream isn't worth working for, it probably isn't worth having. Mm. I've never done anything great that didn't cost me something. Man, there's a cost. Yes. Oh, boy, it's a cost. Dreams cost, but it's worth it, though. The work is worth it. The sweat, the tears, the, the, the energy expended, the failure is worth it. When you fall down and it don't work the first, second, and third, and a hundredth time, it's still worth it. Failure is an iteration, an opportunity to do it again. If you don't dream, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's probably too small. I remember when me and Dustin began to dream about Mission House. We're like, how's this going to look? We had no idea. We're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> right? We're like, what is God doing here? And it was scary. Start a church. Honestly, it was scary. This is the kind of church we knew we were called to do, to embed ourselves in the very fabric of our community, to become a healing and faithful presence in our community, to be a, a, a church that speaks out on justice issues that where many churches are have cowardice or they, they lack courage to speak truth to power or to bring a, a place where the community can come and experience healing and reconciliation. We didn't know how this was going to look, and it was scary. Because as a pastor, I'm going to be honest with y'all, there's a certain, that's a burden of being a pastor, a spiritual leader, because you carry with you the spiritual well-being of many other people. And that's scary. I'm just being transparent. Mark Batterson Again, says in the book, Chase the Lion, the size of your dream may be the most accurate measure of the size of your God. Let me read that again. The size of your dream may be, may be the most accurate measure of the size of your God. Can you give your life to this? I love what Dustin was saying in worship earlier. 
when he's saying, can we imagine, although we should be aware of, the fact that Jesus is present amongst us? If you really believe that, and if Jesus, if God incarnate has poured something into your life, a dream, you should be able to give it to him with, with, with abandon. When the creator has poured something into you, the God who made you, the God that made the universe has poured something into your very being. You should be able to give your life to it. Don't become a slave to the cultural narrative of our society. Just be a cog in the wheel. Genesis 7, verse 1 through 13. We're almost at my close. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven, male, seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. Point three. So point two was, can you give your life to the dreams of God? Point three is this, who's with you in this dream? Who's with you in this dream? One of the things I was studying is uh, preparing for this sermon. I was studying this whole thing about canoes versus kayaks. Anybody ever been kayaking or canoeing? Right? I've done both myself and uh, this right here is our kayak, right? Amen. It's our kayak with the kayak right there. That's why I asked in, in the Facebook group if anybody had a canoe. I was literally going to bring a canoe up in here and have all y'all jump into the canoe with me. I'm getting ahead of myself here. And so this right here is, y'all like, oh, Lord, there you go. This right here is my, this is the, the canoe. Amen. So the difference between a, a kayak and a canoe is what? Anybody know? One person. One person, right? And a canoe has what? More than one, right? Okay. So I need some more chairs, right? The 20 cow bars, let me show Okay, okay, all right. So here we go. Some chairs there. Hey, Amen. This is a canoe, y'all. If y'all can imagine this being a canoe. All right, just for a few moments. Hey, Amen. We're going to put like four. Five of them. We put five because five is the number of grace. I'm asking for grace right now in this illustration. So you can imagine a kayak versus a canoe. Two very similar devices and using water sports, but very different in detail. Now the thing is, a kayak, <clears throat> look at a kayak. You have a picture? Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dustin. Hey, man, I like that. I call it the curse of the kayak. A kayak is only meant for you. And this is what the world tells us. This is the narrative of the culture in which we end. It tells us it's important when it comes to leaving a legacy. Build your own retirement. Build your list of assets for you. Have your own bucket list. Build your toys for you. Build your status for you. Build your career just for you. Build your reputation for you, 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 me, me, me. But let me tell you this, if you live your life for you and you alone, you might make a statement, but you won't leave a legacy. This is what the world tries to tell us, sell to us, and tell us this is the norm. But the blessing of the canoe is, it's meant for everyone. There are multiple roads. You have multiple people paddling. Multiple people are going on the journey and benefiting from it. You can probably make room for one more. This is what God tells us is important. If you can imagine being in a, in a kayak all by yourself in uh, the white waters of life, and you're just rowing, and say you're in a heavy current, and you're just rowing. 
What happens when you get tired? And what then happens? You get blown on by the stream. You go with the stream, the rapids. You try to get upstream because the dream's up this way. And then you get a little energy again. You mile down the rapids. Got to keep going, 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 going again. You get back up a mile where you was the first time, get tired again. God forbid you hit a rock, you flip, bump your head, get knocked out. <laughs> That's your favorite moment. Amen. But when you're in a canoe, y'all going up the rapids, y'all going up the stream. You get tired, Tony. I'm just, I'm driving this thing, right? Amen. <sighs> Somebody else. Arnish. Mari. Jada. Tony get tired. Arnisha get tired. Mari get tired. <laughs> Jada already tired. She, she was up all last night watching Netflix or something. When you in a canoe, y'all can stay if y'all want or y'all can go. Y'all can go. Go ahead. Go. Thank y'all. Thank you for my canoe people. Thank you, canoe people. Noah was told by God to bring animals on the ark two by two. Two is a number of agreement. When we decide to say yes to the dreams of God and work on the dreams of God, God will send people with their own dreams to be in agreement with you because there's resonance in agreement with the dreams of God. I would dare say if your legacy doesn't impact at least one other person for good, then it isn't a legacy. It is a self-serving idea. Because the legacy is not for us. It is for other people. And like I said last week, you have not, no idea what kind of legacy you're building, you're leaving behind by the choices that you make. Because a meaningful legacy can't be made in isolation in a kayak. Who's with you in this dream? Who's with you? Some of y'all dreaming. Who's with you? Are you living the curse of the kayak or are you living in the blessing of the canoe? The curse of the kayak or the blessing of the canoe? When you think of legacy, I hope the image of the canoe gets inside of you. That you would live your life and chase down your dreams with others in mind and not just yourself. When we think about this church, when we think about this community that, we have, that God has convened, that God has called to existence, Mission House, to mobilize this army of love, God was thinking about this city, this community, this region, not just the two pastors or the, the two families, the three families that were a part of the, the bringing this about initially. Think about your own dreams. Just think with me for a second. What's the dream that God has breathed into your own heart? God has put Noah-sized dreams in some of your hearts. But we won't pick up the hammer. And there's a question, a set of questions I have for you. Have you put the hammer down? Have you put the hammer down? Or did you ever pick it up? for the first time. Are you willing to give your life to this dream? Are you willing to be misunderstood? Are you willing to be maligned and mischaracterized and laughed at and scoffed at? Are you willing to do the hard work? Are you willing to become more disciplined in your life? Not just spiritually, spiritually, yes, in your life with God, but also in your life and working with the dream that God has given you. Who's with you? Have you been doing this for yourself? Who could you bring along with you? Every dream that I have, that I have personally, I am acutely aware that it impacts my entire family. 
So is this not my dream? Who's with you? And who have you been doing this for? Yourself? Who would you bring along with you? And so we'll close with this. God has given us a dream here at Mission House. Our dream is to mobilize an army of love for the good of our community. And trust me, especially at our pastoral team and those who are core, those who are, have profoundly committed themselves to this mission, um, we are giving our lives to this dream to mobilize this army of love. Who was with us in this dream? You want to raise your hand today. But who was with us in this dream? I assume everybody here because you showed up today. Who was with us in this dream? Will you be the kayak person? No, we don't want to be a kayak church. This is not a kayak church. And what I mean by that, we don't want this thing to be around one person. That's why, and, you know, I'm, I'm not bragging, but I have to tell you this. You ever notice in our social media, you don't see my big old head on the social media all the time. All you see is our community at work. Look at the social media. That's the way we can communicate our values. You don't see a life-size poster of me when you walk through the church door. It makes me bigger than I am. Right? Because this is a team sport. The set man in the house is Jesus. The apostle of this house is Jesus the Christ. <laughs> I know some of you are in culture shock right now. We are not a kayak type of church. We are not building this around personalities and celebrity preachers. No, this is not that kind of church. God bless those that do that. Some people feel called to do that kind of thing, but we are not a kayak church. And so one of the things about a kayak church is that kayaks can go a little faster sometimes. But they may or may not reach the destination. But I want to tell you, I want to tell everyone something during this legacy series. I want you to keep in mind and, and that this is a canoe type of church. Just like a canoe, there are multiple seats and some have more than others. And so uh, some of the things that we'll be doing here in the summer months or at the end of the summer, we'll be canvassing. We'll be inviting more people to join to be a part of the canoe. Will you help me fill this canoe up? Well, you know, it's, it's more than five, you know. You know what I'm saying, metaphorically speaking. You get what I'm saying. Because we got work to do. We got dreams to live. Legacy. Something that comes from someone in the past and affects current and future generations. And I tell you, in the, by the grace of God, we have big dreams here. I'm praying that we get the rest of this building. I know. There's a story about me praying for buildings and other things. Like, I don't want to get into that today. But God's done some crazy stuff with me personally in the past, and I pray for buildings and stuff. But I'm actually praying for the rest of this building or some buildings somewhere in the community. Why? So we can create business incubators for young people. So we can train them and teach them entrepreneurship so that we can have an art studio, a sound recording booth where young people can make their own music, where we can mediate conflict in the community. If there's rival gangs in the community, I hope that our church could be a place where the Bloods, the Crips, the Puzzles, the Swamp, whatever, the Swamp, whatever, I forgot the name of, the name of them, but all these different groups can come and sit down and try to hash it out and break bread together. We got big dreams. And those dreams are starting to come to, come to fruition. Where are the convening community youth? Where are the convening community groups to resolve violence in our community? We will hold the hammer.
We will not stop until we see an army of love, an army of people mobilized by the Spirit of God for the kingdom of God in this community. We will hold the hammer. We will not pull it down. Will you hold the hammer in your own dreams this week? Or let me ask you this. Will you pick up the hammer this week? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the presence of your risen Christ. God, we thank you, God, that your word will not return void that it will accomplish the very thing for which you have sent it. God, you sent dreams into the hearts of your people, God. God, you've pointed seeds of dreams, seeds of vision, oh God, into the very soul and hearts of the people that are sitting here today, God. God, I pray, oh God, that they will begin to cultivate the courage that comes from your Holy Spirit, God. That they will begin to cultivate the dreams and the visions, oh God. They will pick up the hammer to do the work, the hard work, God, that they be willing, God, to be willing to be misunderstood and, and, and laughed at and scoffed at, oh God, but they will go with courage and insight and wisdom, oh God, and perseverance, oh God, for living out the dream that you have called them into, God. Some of them in a hard place right now, God. Some of them are even stuck right now, but God, I'm praying, oh God, that you send the grease of the Holy Spirit, God, that you begin to grease them wheels in their minds and in their hearts, God. God, I pray, oh God, that you begin to grease the wheels of their soul, God, that they begin to be moving, oh God, they begin to pick up the hammer and get to nailing and getting to working on the dream that you've given them, that you have even created them for. I hear God say, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck because there's something that I've created you for. Don't get stuck because there's something that I've created you for. God, we thank you for your people today. We pray that you bless the mamas today in our time of celebration. And God, may we remember the memories of the mothers who have passed. God, their legacy. Mm. Oh, God. God, let us remember the legacy of the mamas, those faithful spiritual mamas, the mamas, those praying mamas, those God-loving Jesus mamas that have gone on to glory, God. May this week, may today, God, we remember their legacies, God. They remember their wisdom, God. They remember those moments when they sat down and prayed tears alongside their children, oh God. God, let us hold on to the legacies with joy, God. I know some of you are sad this morning, but I'm letting, letting you know, I want you to remember with joy today of the legacies that were left behind. Hold on to those memories. Let a smile come in your face. God, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.